2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. My name is Richard Young. And before we jump into the podcast, I wanted to plug the So Are We gear that I last week I gave a uh, promo code. Um, if you want to find the So Are We gear, Go to Instagram at so underscore r underscore we underscore and it would make the perfect Christmas slash New Year's gift. Uh, and if you want 15% off, the promo code is DTL podcast. And man, the internet is going nuts over this gear and when i say the internet is going nuts i mean some key family members of mine purchased some that's what i mean so uh wanted to give a plug for that uh got a lot of great stuff coming up um on the podcast and today's episode man it is a conversation with a college, actually more of like a high school slash college friend of mine uh, named Mulenga. And Mulenga and I, uh, we start out the conversation just about our, our old selves. And then we get into a fire gospel sesh. And man, a lot of stuff is covered. Shame. We cover shame in this one. Man, got to uncover shame for what it is. Uh, and so, no, it was an awesome conversation for me to have with her. And I know that you'll be blessed to hear um, to hear this conversation. So, let's uh, strap in. All aboard. Buckle up. I uh, appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Oh my God. 
my soul Check the price, yeah, it's paid for Oh my God, it's the life I was made for We do it major We do it major On my soul, check the price, yeah, it's paid for Oh my God, it's the life I was made for We do it major We do it major Yeah, yeah had this idea of who you were Mm -hmm. um, but I want to know who you actually were like back then give me your like your background who you were when you when you showed up on the scene in college like what and what brought you there Hmm. one I want to know who you thought I was no see that that, that's too easy No, I'm curious. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll tell okay. you, but first I want to know the, the background. Okay. So in college, um, I have, I showed up to college focused. You know, I was going to go to, I, first of all, it was a miracle that I was able to go to a private college. I was um, able to go to um, a private um, High school, went to academy, Platte Valley Academy, like you had said, and, and that was thankfully able to be um, funded through the church, and also I worked on the farm and dairy, so I was able to subsidize the, um, my school fees, but college was a different story because they didn't have, uh, our church didn't have a fund for college students, they just had a fund for high school students, mm. so it was totally going by faith, and I remember, um, you know, trying to decide, I was, I was accepted at a school in um, Oklahoma and then Union College, and I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. So I just remember um, I started running that summer, and, and when I was running, I would pray about that situation. And then um, I didn't know that I would be able to go until like August 11, which I think was like a week or two before we're supposed to be at school. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I just remember, you know, being thankful that I was there and I really wanted to um, honor God and the people that were going to support me um, during, you know, my college journey. And so I was just focused. I was, I was not going to get my, I was going to get my nursing degree. I knew I was going to be um, an RN. So I know that other people you, you know, I get advice like, you know, college is where you're going to meet the one and that's going to mm. be the best time to do that. But um, I was really just focused on um, my BSN first degree versus my MRS degree. So mm-hmm. I just remember being thankful. Um, my relationship with God was, was good. I just had seen how he'd answered the prayer that I could go to college. And my personality has always been the one to where I follow the rules. Uh, I was more black and white. Um, and I just had a, uh, an idealistic, um, view on my life, how I wanted to go. And unfortunately also for other people. And I dealt with perfectionism hmm. and, um, and I try, I recognize that in high school, maybe even before then. And I try to, um, rid myself of just 
when it came to school anyway, I didn't really apply it to my personal life, but uh, perfectionism when it came to, um, you know, um, like achieving, Mm -hmm. that was important to me to be a high achiever. Yeah. So how did that manifest itself in high school? How did that reveal itself to you? And when it did, how did you feel about it? Were you like, oh, this is a good thing? Like, like, I don't want to put words in your mouth. How did, how did the perfectionism and that whole thing, how'd you find out about it? Well, um, it's silly, but I would be, um, I would, let's say, do an assignment. I would um, go to do my homework. Let's say it's math or English, whatever. And I would look at my writing and I'm like, oh, I, I don't like my penmanship. So I would redo the whole assignment. So um, in, in, in high school, it's just like, man, this is taking a lot of time. So that's when I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't spend three hours on homework when everybody's spending an hour and then they get to go to bed early or play. So I just realized how time consuming it was to just redo everything because it wasn't perfect. So at, through my schoolwork is when I was like, this is ridiculous. So how did it manifest itself in the way you treated other people? Were your expectations skewed for other people? Towards- 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what, what was that like? I just, um, I just expected excellence for myself. So then I projected that on other people. Like I... Um, I just kind of lived in an ideal world in my head and that didn't always match up with, um, with reality and how it manifested itself was control. I was, I like to be in control. You know, if, um, if you're, um, if you're doing something and I don't like it, I'm going to be like, Hey, stop doing that even if you're living your life and humming a tune. Um, probably my siblings can, can attest to that, you know, when they're goofing around, I'm like, hey, stop it. And, um, or, um, or if, you know, I, I probably have the best cancel culture in my dating life. If, if, <laughs> if you're trying to get to know me and um, I, you did something and I was like, mm, you don't meet that standard, you're canceled. Mercy. So that's kind of how, and and I'd be frustrated if I, um, you know, at work if I, you know, I try to do the very best that I can, and and if and if I take the, come after you in the next shift, and I'm like, really, you know, we can we can do better, and I'm, I might, judgmental. That's probably, it came out in a judgmental manner. So who was who was God at that time? Um, God was a God of judgment. You know, he, you hear, um, you know, growing up in the church, you hear about that, how we're going to be judged, investigative judgment. You hear how um, these people were judged in the Bible. They were just, you know, people were instructed, go out and, and, um, and slay a whole nation. And then there are times where you hear, you see the other part of God where he's like, hey, Jonah, go tell these people what's going to happen. 
Um, and if it doesn't happen, this is a judgment that's going to come upon them. So that's, that's what I focused on. Not, not the part where God was merciful in the warnings, but the part where um, the judgment was coming. And how were you doing with God's judgment? Were you doing okay? Um, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like I was. I, I kind of had a self-righteous um, mindset where, um, where, you know, you, I have the plank in my eye and then I'm like, oh, but they didn't, they didn't do that. They didn't, the teacher said, to be good to the substitute teacher and they're not, they're not being good to the substitute teacher, you know? And, um, so I guess my relationship with, what was the question? My relationship with God? How was, I was that? just like, who was God at that time? Who was God to me? Yeah. God was a God that wanted order that wanted, um, you know, you know, the standards that we are to live by. And if you don't abide by those, then you aren't, I don't know if the, I know God is love, um, I guess, but you aren't living up to what you're supposed to live up to. So you, you fail basically. I imagine that that felt pretty good to be. Um, be so it, here's, you tell me, this is how I'm picturing it in my mind. Um, God is a judgmental God mm-hmm. and you're doing solid. So uh-huh. you're being judged according to how you're doing, and that's good. Uh-huh. But other people are not doing so well. Uh-huh. And so you get to be in this position of, well, I'm doing good. And you were doing well because you were trying. You had uh-huh. discipline. You uh-huh. worked hard. And everybody could have what you had uh-huh. if they would just try a little harder. Yep. Is that how you felt about it? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Does that feel person. good? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm like I'm in good standing. I I do what I'm supposed to do. You know, whether it's um, with the um, the whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's you know with my friends or whatever. But at the same time, that's it's impossible to be um, perfect all the time. And that's why it's exhausting, right? Because it's impossible. So the opposite of that was, was harder. Like when I like disappoint someone or when I, um, when I mess up or when I, I, I miss the bar, that was equally devastating. And that was probably more devastating than, um, the, the feeling of, of doing good because the inner critic when you are of a perfectionist mindset is brutal. So the death, what, what it looked like you were so crazy critical, like you probably weren't as critical on uh, to others as you were on yourself or help me with that. Uh, hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So these projections and other people, like my ideal for other people, um, that was just a projection of, of how hard I was on myself. And it was, it's a lot easier to give grace to other people than it is to myself. 
So now I'll reveal what I did think about you back then. Um, okay. <laughs> it, it didn't come across that way. Hmm. What it came across was what you had mentioned before, was that you were disappointed in others. Mm-hmm. Like the bar that you had held so high for us, for us, just like people that were associated with you. And I consider myself uh, probably more than um, more than an acquaintance, but not like, oh yeah, Mulang and I are friends. It was mm-hmm. like a, a level in between. It was like, you, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I do. I still felt... Dis, that you were disappointed in me, and we don't have to go into all of the, the the whys and hows, and but I felt like you had it all together, but you were a little self righteous, and your disappointment in me um, or people around you, it was it was it made you unapproachable in some ways. Mm. It made you like if I don't live up to her standard Mm -hmm. um so it wasn't yeah it was unapproachable Mm -hmm. um and in no way knowing you would you have liked that at all Mm, no no that makes me sad it makes you sad? sad oh yeah why why is that well, that, that, like, even though, like, I had those standards for uh, myself and, and, and my friends and my family, like, the reality of that, um, what that does in our relationship, where it affects our relationship, where I'm, I'm uh, viewed as, which is what I was, self-righteous or unapproachable. I didn't think I was, you know, obviously I didn't have that clarity. Otherwise I would have um, had a real issue with that. Like what? That's what you view me? No, like I, you know, I, yes, I have these standards because I want the best for my friends, the best for you, but I would in no way want people to view me as um, unapproachable because I think I view myself as approachable. Yeah, well, the, the, the trick is nobody who is self-righteous knows that they're self-righteous mm-hmm. because they wouldn't be like, yeah, I'm self-righteous. Mm-hmm. If they were, they would probably just be evil. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Probably, it's, it's a reason that's a deception. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, because if we understand it correctly – Jesus supped with people who were messing up, just Mm -hmm. drunkards, prostitutes, tax collectors. Uh, And he chilled with them, but Mm -hmm. he did not have a lot of time for self-righteous people. Mm -hmm. And his heaviest, um, I don't know what the word is, critique, not critique, where he was towards people who were Mm self-righteous. And... The publican versus what the the publican the, and the sinner or something is that how it goes? Yeah, that Lord forgive me from the worst of sinners and the other guy. It's like, oh look at me, I'm doing pretty good over here. So we all don't want that. 
None of us mm-hmm. want that, but in our death, we couldn't, we couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, do you know, was this, this just a natural personality thing from your first birth? How, like this perfectionism thing? Is this just, you were born into this? Is that how you feel about it? Um, I feel like it's, kind of my personality like I I um I am a rule follower I like to follow the rules I um well I've I have I should say I used to be a lot more of a rule follower now now I don't see the world as black and white you know I I I see that there's some gray in this world um so the old me was a rule follower but it's my natural inclination. Like if you say, don't do this, um, like I, I'm going to want to follow the rules. Right. Uh Um, and I am, um, I guess in a sense too, it comes with, um, if, if I'm honest, it comes with a sense of pride, right? Like, like if I, um, if I get recognized for being a good student or, or being, um, you know, the child that didn't give our parents a lot of a hard um, times growing up, which I did. Um, but I, you know, it kind of, it kind of feels good. Like, Oh, people, people like me, you know, my, my teachers like me, my, my coworkers like me and things like that. So, um, I, I guess I've never really known any different. Did you, did you get value from the, the being the rule follower? That that oh, yeah. means something and more? Yeah. Being a rule follower and being a high achiever. Absolutely. Yeah. That's okay. what gave me about. I was, I was, which the, the, um, the jury still out, but I was quite the ugly duckling growing up, you know, <laughs> I wasn't the most popular. I was a little awkward. Um, we came to America when I was like eight years old. And, and Where that's from? when, from Zambia. From Zambia. From Osaka, Zambia. And that's when the natural hairstyle wasn't in then. And my head was really short and natural. And, you know, I, I was, I kind of, I just kind of looked funny and kids are mean, right? Yeah. So I couldn't be the most popular one. I couldn't be the most um, the good looking one in the, at school, but what I could do is use my, my brain to just kind of lose myself in, in at least, um, pleasing the teacher. That's where I got my value. Hmm. So now you're in college, you're, you're, you're not as concerned with the MRS. And if I remember correctly, that was a point of pride. That I wasn't concerned with MRS? That I felt like you were like, you girls running around, uh, y'all need to get your stuff together and get your degree um, because you don't need this and you don't need that. And so I felt, and maybe I'm wrong, you can please correct me, that you wore it like, yeah, I'm here, it's business time. Oh, for sure. Like um, I had friends who were about, the college life that had a very good 
balance. Well, I shouldn't say a good balance, but they had a balance. I was more unbalanced than they were. And, um, you know, they were enjoying their college experience, you know, and that would frustrate me because I would be studying and be working and here they are having a good time. And I'm like, and, and not doing well in their classes. So yes, that would be like, get your act together. This is your third date this week, you know? So yes, that's would be an accurate statement. Unfortunately. uh, People like you and people like me do not vibe because (laughs) I was the guy that was like, where they're playing basketball. (laughs) well this who needs this whatever i'm studying it's like richard you have a test tomorrow oh mercy i you know what when people would talk in college like oh man i studied for this mug for four hours i don't think i have studied for anything in my life longer than 90 minutes i cannot do it like that means you're that means you're intelligent you you there's some of us in this world. I'm intelligent enough to get okay grades. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I mean, it's better to have a balance than to lose yourself in one thing I've learned. And, and, but then there was you on the other side and you were just like, you're, you're, what are you doing? We're paying all of this money to be here. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. And then I was, I was smart, but... Uh, I hung out with some people who were actually smart. Mm-hmm. And then one time, uh, my buddy Aaron and I took a class together. And this was bad because he is much smarter than I am. And so mm-hmm. I would judge how much I needed to study based mm-hmm. on how much he was studying. Mm. So like, And we were sweet mates. And so we're taking the same class. And he would he would have his book on his lap in the chair while playing video games. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he doesn't seem so concerned with this, this test. So I, it's probably not a big deal. So we both go to the test. And I think I, I looked at it just pretty much the same amount that he did. And he would mm-hmm. walk out with like a 91. And I would walk out with a 68. And I'm like, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what, what is going on? So I, I, uh, I probably should have hung out with uh, not as smart people, but yeah, like people like you and I, and and that's why I felt this disappointment for me. It was just mm. like, man, I'm I couldn't be like her if I tried. Mm. I couldn't I couldn't focus if I wanted to, which I didn't really want to, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there was a there's there's that weird kind of dynamic um but you you were going through and you're 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 working hard and and uh tell me about that yeah i mean that's just kind of how um like i am blessed to be able to um like i'm i'm not one of those people that's what's the word i'm looking for i don't i'm not i work hard right like there would be people like you who would be studying for like three hours and I might study for five hours and I might just get maybe the same grade. I might get, you know, a grade a little bit lower than they got. And so 
so I, I recognize I, I do need to work hard, um, for, for things. And so that's what I think I just got in the habit of, I, I got to work hard to get this. And then there are things, other things that came, you know, naturally, but, um, I guess, um, yeah, it's just, and I, and I'm, and I still, like, I know that, you know, there are people in the world who are smart and when they encounter a problem and, and they're like, oh, I guess I must not just be smart enough. I guess I might not just like know enough about that where there's other people that are used to working hard. They're like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna work all night long, do an all nighter until I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's just kind of, and you were the, the latter, you were the, there's yeah, nothing um, going to stop you. You're going to yeah. work through it. Yeah. And if I, if I make a mistake with my friends or with my, you know, I'm just going to, I'm gonna, just going to work on it. I'm going to keep working. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep working on it, you know? So that's just. So did that bring, like when you graduated, you had your nursing degree, did that, your strategy, do you feel like it brought the desired result that you had achieved what you wanted to achieve? And did you feel fulfilled in all of that? I did. Yeah, I did. I felt because I set goals for myself and, and I was able to accomplish them. But in hindsight, after college, um, that's when I, I look back at, you know, my friends and just our experience through college. And I had a great college experience. Um, I'm not saying it, it wasn't great. I was just a little unbalanced. That's right. I was a lot unbalanced, but when I look back and, and, and compare like Mm -hmm. what, um, other people's experience were and what my experience were, um, I was kind of, um, thinking I could have been a a lot more balanced. Like, um, it's okay to be intramurals. It's okay to, um, Nick, I think we had one nursing um, classmate of mine was on the basketball team and do nursing. And I was just like, how do you do that? But it's okay to, you know, be balanced because my goal was to graduate. Um, what is it? Cum laude. is it? Cum laude, summa. What's the middle one? Magna. Magna. That was my goal. Mm-hmm. And I missed it. I tell you what, I didn't have as, as, as much fun as other people. I missed it. But like, point a one-tenth of a point and I was like I did all that and I still didn't get my goal so yeah in reflection um like it's okay that everybody has a different journey and to be more balanced and to be that B student and maybe get a C in one class but still um just you know you people still like what do you call a nursing student that got a, a C, a nurse, yeah. you know, like, like all these people, they don't say, Hey, were you an A plus student? Were you an A student? So that was a sad realization after I graduated. I was like, man, I could have seriously had, have had more fun, gotten to know more people. And cause you, you only live that once, you know, so kind of miss out on life. Yeah. I, I, I used to joke about that all the time. I would always say that I can brag that I've never cheated on a test. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's a fact. But then I would also say, but I also can't brag that I had good grades. Like <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have 
looked at somebody's <laughs> paper or something. Yeah. Uh, no, because I got out of college and uh, I had a, I'm going to tell the truth. I had a 2.9 GPA in college. And for the longest, I would be like, yeah, I had a 3.0, like that, that one extra point to uh, the B average. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I asked a great friend of mine, uh, Buell, what his grades mm-hmm. were in college. And he's like, man, I don't know. I'm like, C's, B's. And I was like, yeah, mercy. Um, but that's not the, the whole point of this. What, what, as you moved on in your life and you, you started adulting, um, were there lies that kind of kept creeping back into to the way you were living or, or how did it go from then? Well, um, like that inner critic, you mm-hmm. know, when you get your value from, from people noticing how well you're doing or um, like I said, it's worse when it's a reverse and, and there's disappointment and people are disappointed in you or you're disappointed in yourself. Um, I just noticed, which I noticed more after I graduated. I don't know why. I don't know if it's experiencing life and being an adult or, um, but like it would affect my sleep. Like if I was disappointed in myself or I, um, disappointed someone like, or I, I made a mistake. Like I, I had no, I didn't have peace. That's probably the best way to put it is not having peace when, um, you don't, when I didn't meet the bar. Um, so that is when, um, I started noticing like, wow, this is a big thing when, when it's affecting my sleep. And also, um, just physically, I would, if I was stressed out about something or disappointed, at night I would clench my, my jaw and then the next day it would be hurting to like the middle of the day. And I'm like, what is going on? So that's when I was like, what is, you know, I just started to explore how my body it reacted to disappointment in that inner critic. So, yeah. So what did you make of that? What did you, what, what did you decide about all that? Well, I, I just, first I didn't know what was going on. I didn't, well, I knew, but the no sleep part, but the jaw part, I was like, what is happening? And then I, I was able to recognize what was going on in my life. And, um, and it's just having an honest conversation. It's like, this is not sustainable. You know, you can't, um, be so critical of yourself that, um, that you are not able to have peace in your life. So I had some hard questions to ask myself and, um, and I how, just, how long did this last? Like how, from when you first started getting stressed out or mm-hmm. the fact that you disappointed someone or some, like something that you didn't read, like how long did it go from just the beginning to full blown, man, I may, and I don't want to put this word on it, but it sounds like you were anxious. You know, I don't, I don't think I'm an anxious person. I've had anxious moments, mm-hmm. um, like situational anxiety, but um, it's just, it's really like that inner critic and that disappointment and, and being like, oh man, what, a, what are the, what is this person going to, going to think of me or I made a mistake, you know, may, or let's say I forgot to document something at work and I'm, I can't sleep. And, you know, it's just um, when you miss that bar, um, I mean, some, the worst probably was a month. And, um, 
average was about a week. No, but like this is how you were living and you would be okay and then go through it. Was this just, Mm -hmm. this was just your life? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So did you think that, did you, did it go through your mind? Like this is a way I should or shouldn't live or that this is just life. And this is what I'm going to have to deal with. This is what I, what I have to, this is my cross to bear, or this is, I'm going to have to get better strategies. Like, what did you think about that in the totality of it? Yeah, no, I, I definitely thought it needed, needed to be addressed. Like, you know, um, because I would talk with some friends and family and they'll just be like, you know, um, you know, if, if it was a matter of, um, I don't know, a mistake with a, a friendship, they'll just be like, hey, you know, they're probably not thinking about it or, or talk to them. So I definitely try to figure it out. And because um, I didn't like it. You know what I think is incredible is how people who, even Christians, accept stress and mm-hmm. anxiety as a part of life that they have to take part in. Mm-hmm. And there's all of these verses, and you, like, you throw a dead cat in the Bible, and it's going to talk about not having fear and mm-hmm. about peace. Mm-hmm. joy and the book is like it does not match up with a stressful life mm-hmm. yet i see so much on social media mm-hmm. people not not living close to stress free mm-hmm. but managing stress mm-hmm. like thinking like this is what they're called to do Mm-hmm. Because there's no way that life couldn't have no, like, be stress-free. Mm-hmm. Or, and it's incredible how we've just said, yeah, this is, this is life. Mm-hmm. Where this bedrock and foundational thing that we say we believe in does not match up with that mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And we don't question it. Hmm. I just, that blows me away. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I was living. Um, because my circumstances spoke much louder about my life mm-hmm. than what was actually true about my life. Right. And when you don't know what's true... It probably really isn't that it isn't really true. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so yeah, had you your uh, you resonate with what I'm saying? Like, was oh, yeah. that part of your experience? Well, like I said, I, I wouldn't say that I was an anxious person. It's right. just that in in the moment, it's like situational when I disappoint somebody, um, like my my self-disappointment would just be um, almost debilitating where somebody, you know, if, even if somebody said, he made a joke, right? They would just mm-hmm. make a joke. And I'd be like, well, what did they mean by that? And I would, I would stay up ruminating 
and feel bad about myself or even if like 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 if you had insinuated that I was self-righteous mm-hmm. I would be like oh my goodness Richard thinks that about me and mm-hmm. it would drive me crazy because I that's that's a, a that like you said that's a bar those are the type of people that Christ didn't really hang out around with right so I don't want to be associated yeah I didn't I don't want to be associated with the brood of vipers and um you know the people that are walking around with planks in their eyes like I don't want to be associated with that so like that would bother me so much instead of like um instead of you know bringing it to God and being like God I, I don't want to be like this like I would just be in this pit of self wallow like I wouldn't even want to go to God if that makes any sense well that's one of the enemy's greatest tricks mm-hmm. is like he says continue to try to be that thing mm-hmm. this is what the enemy says keep trying because he knows that with the trying we're hamsters in a wheel mm-hmm. and eventually we'll tire out and we'll either get off the wheel and just not care about it anymore and just be like, it's garbage. Mm-hmm. It's all, and like, I used to see Christians that would, would give up on it. Mm-hmm. And I'd just be like, come on guys, like we can't give up on it. And then I totally get it now. Mm-hmm. Because what they were believing, what it, it just wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. It it kept you like my Christianity was like keep trying, brother, keep trying, mm-hmm. and I was getting tired, mm-hmm. and the failures. It was it was becoming very difficult to climb out of the failures mm-hmm. again. Right. Because you promised yourself that you weren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Then you did it. And so you're climbing out of that pit and you're just tired. Right. And so that's that hamster wheel of trying. Mm-hmm. That, that's my life. That's the result. Was of, my life. <laughs> that's the result of the enemy saying, yeah, mm-hmm. keep trying. Where God is saying, it's over. Mm-hmm. I did everything. Mm-hmm. Take my yoke. Yeah. So um, keep going. I, where, I don't know where we're at. You're, you're not anxiety filled, but you're having mm-hmm. these moments where there's, um, there's ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, what was stealing your value or stealing your, your joy as you're, as you're moving on? What was stealing it? Yeah. Oh, I think um, uh, not having the correct picture of Jesus um, was probably the the theme of everything. Mm. Um, I I was like I don't know maybe like five years ago I was reading my Bible and. You know, like the more you read the Bible, the more, um, for me, the more I recognize the bar of where I should be, you know, and, and, and where I was lacking. And, but then one, one day it just, it just clicked for me 
Well, I was like, wow, God loves me. Mm. Like how, God. How, how did that come about? I don't even remember, Richard. I don't remember. But what I do remember is I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed with God's grace and God's love to where I couldn't even like, um, but it was almost, um, I don't even know. It was almost like a shameful reveal. Hmm. Like, and I don't even know if that makes any sense, but I was so overwhelmed with it. Like God revealing like my heart and, and, and who I've been and try to, and try to be by what I did. And then God saying, I've got you and I've covered you with this grace and almost feeling, I guess it's, you know, it's undeserved, right? Grace is undeserved. And just feeling that, that undeserved, realizing that we've been given this undeserved grace mm-hmm. was overwhelming that I could just, I just weeped. And every time I thought about it, I would just weep mm-hmm. of how much God really loves me. And it doesn't matter what I do, what I've done. Um, but despite all that, God, God still loves me. So the picture of Jesus from before that was? You know, it was, um, I had to do these things to, I had to, I had to, you know, to follow all these rules to have value, to be valued by God, for God to accept me. I had to show that I was trying. And there's no way you would have admitted that in a conversation. That, that no, is well, I didn't even doctrine. know. I didn't, that's not a doctrinal thing. No one would say they believe it. And no, but I didn't even know, though. I didn't know that that, because that, I just thought, well, this is just how I'm wired. Like, you know, the, this is what the Bible says. This is what, you know, the rule is. This is what teacher says. This is how you should be living your life. Like, what's so hard about following the rule, you know? So I, I've never been one that, um, well, like I said, I used to be very black and white. Now I'm a little gray. <laughs> But I was never the one that my natural inclination is to just um, follow the rules. If this is what the standard we're called to live on, that's what I'm going to do. So as a Christian, we understand that we're no longer under the law. Mm-hmm. But you were under not the 613 or the 10. You were under the law of Mulenga. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't have, you weren't meeting up your own standards. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that was heavier than maybe the, the 613 and the 10, because you know, in, in, in some ways you'd be like, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not under those anymore. Mm-hmm. But I have this pressure, but because I'm not under them, now I have to live this other way. Mm-hmm. And it it reminds me of how people even added to the six hundred and I don't know if the number is correct if it's six hundred thirteen or six hundred twenty three if that includes the Ten Commandments or if I'm adding but how they added more rules mm-hmm. to those to make sure that they would keep those mm-hmm. and then they were holding people under that yoke. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. just like, because I did it. I mean, I couldn't. Like we 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 all want to be better. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. We all like, there's this way that we want to live. And we don't understand that Christ has given us the ability to live that way. Mm -hmm. And it is not out of trying. Mm -hmm. And so we just get stuck spinning our wheels. So you don't remember how this revelation came to you. Yeah, I don't, but I just, I remember the season. I remember like, I would just, I don't know. I was just overwhelmed and I was, I was just weeping because I was like, wow, like God loves me. Like despite, you know, like, like that, right that, that verse while we were um, yet sinners, God loved us, you know, mm-hmm. like in our sin, God loved me. Like it doesn't matter what I do. And, um, I just remember just being so thankful, so grateful, but at the same time, it broke me. So after it breaks you, and this is, you say about five years ago, what, what has been your journey? What has been your journey since then is that, yeah, go ahead. Well, God's, God's been solely, um, you know, trying to, trying to reinforce that because obviously Satan knows my, what my natural inclination is. So, you know, through, wait, 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 wait. What is your natural inclination? To be that inner critic, to have that perfectionist, this perfectionistic, idealistic uh, perspective worldview. So when I fall short of that, um, or when I catch myself, um, giving myself or other people a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember the truth of who God is. And, um, but so through um, listening to um, Lee Venden, you know, mm-hmm. one of his, one of my favorite things that he says is, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. And um, Ty Gibson, you know, I've, I've listened to a lot of his, um, sermons too, and just our identity and who we are and, mm-hmm. and how much God loves us. And then recently through um, the Love Reality Tour, and that's when it kind of culminated for me where I've kind of was just like flirting with, um, with this revelation that I've been getting, like our true identity, you know, um, it's not what we do, it's who we know. And then this love reality, um, which sounds so simple and so silly, which I'm learning to to say the gospel. I've I, I've 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 been reading and seeing the gospel clearly um, through um, the vessel of the love reality tour, and that is that what the Bible says is true. Like here, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian all my life. Um, but yet reading my Bible through that light is life changing. You know, if God says that, um, we are co-heirs, if God says that, you know, I'm a child of God, if God says that for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him, Mm. whosoever believes like belief, that's, that's all it is. It's belief, Mm. you know, um, will not perish. You know, if, if the thief on the cross can be um, promised a, a life in heaven. 
when, you know, what kind of life he's lived. All he did was believe that the son of God was up there with him, you know, like why, why can't I believe that, Mm -hmm. um, that what the Bible says is also true for me. Like these aren't just fables or stories. These are, um, these are true. Like if, if, if we believed, I would even say like the, the radical things that are in the Bible, what the Bible says about our identity in Christ and his love and his grace. And, mm-hmm. and um, it's life changing and it's just believing it. So something that you said earlier mm. um, that many people have a hard time with, and that is to think that their natural heart or their natural inclination mm-hmm. is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So when you said my natural inclination, mm-hmm. and then you said something that was kind of negative, mm-hmm. uh, to look at da 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 But that isn't your natural inclination because when it happens, you don't even like it. Mm-hmm. It it's going against what your natural inclination is. Your natural inclination is your love. Your Mm -hmm. heart is new. You're Mm -hmm. a new creature. You're a new creation. And so there's this lie that when we believe something about us that is true, but that it's good Mm -hmm. and we admit it, that that's not humility and we should believe that we are broken human beings mm-hmm. and we are like there's this there's that idea and mm-hmm. i don't know about every group but the group i associate with I, you do as well like this is something difficult mm-hmm. to admit that their heart is actually good. And because Mm. they don't believe that their heart is actually good, anybody who does is arrogant, Mm -hmm. proud. And so your heart is good. Mm. Your natural inclination is Mm -hmm. to give of yourself Mm -hmm. and to love because you have a new mind you have mm-hmm. a new heart, it's filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And when you don't do that, you don't like it. And that's mm. why we know that we're slaves to righteousness because when mm. we are acting righteously, we love it. Mm-hmm. And when we're not, we hate it. That's mm. true. If that's very you, true. If you, if you actually did evil... And we're like, cool. Like that would show you're a slave to sin. That's true. Yeah. Um, and so I don't mean to like push back and say, well, Mulanga, but your heart is awesome. Mm. Like it, it couldn't, it couldn't be. It's a righteous heart. It's a mm. new heart. How could it be? How could it be better? It, it mm. can't be. You can't have more spirit than you do. So as you've been realizing and seeing the gospel and what you said, you've been believing the Bible as it's true. How has that 
changed things in your day to day in your life? How has it changed the way you looked at or you look at old Mulenga? Well, I know that it's changed um, my relationships. You know, I don't, um, I try not to, which I've always, I've always been like an accepting person. Like I've, I've, I have always, I have, see, I sound like I'm sounding crazy here, but I, I know that I, I know myself, like God knows my heart. I know my heart and I, I do know that it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess when I say something negative, it's because of that critic, you know, it's just like, Oh, but you, you thought that about somebody, you said that to somebody or, um, but how it's changed my, um, it's just how I view people. Like I don't view, um, I don't know. I don't view people's mistakes or my mistakes. Um, like I did before, you know, I don't, um, you know, they're, they're people that make bad decisions, people that, um, and I make a bad decision, but that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person or that they're a bad person. That just means that they made a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so in light of that, I, I found that because I've been given grace, um, and I, I, I recognize that and I view God in the light of that he is love. Like mm. I, God is love. And, um, and therefore, because he loved me and because he's gracious to me, I am more apt to extend that love to other people and not be as um, critical. Now, I still have standards, but um, that criticalness that sharp criticalness that cancel um aspect of it is um is in light of god's god's love and wisdom you say you still have standards i do yeah i when it comes to um i i guess i don't project those standards uh, on other people right like if if, if I feel like something should be done a certain way, um, that doesn't mean that I need to project that onto you. Because the, like the old adage goes, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Mm-hmm. So um, if somebody's doing something like, oh, it could be done, I would do it differently. I just, I, I don't let it um, get to me. I don't think that they're doing it wrong. I'm just like, oh, that's, that's different. Um, and also if I, um, if somebody makes a mistake or I make a mistake, I don't, um, wallow in that cycle of, um, of, of anxiety and, and stress and, and I am able to, to, to Hmm. say that, that, that doesn't define who they, who they are. That doesn't define who I am. I just need to um, make it right or do it different next time. There's this belief that the worse we feel about Mm -hmm. ourselves means the more apologetic we are or Mm -hmm. the more sincere we are. And so Mm -hmm. we judge, we judge if we're really forgiven based on 
how badly we wanted to apologize and how bad we felt about it, mm-hmm. which is a complete lie. Hmm. Like our, the level that we feel bad determines nothing on whether God is going to forgive us or not. Because the Mm -hmm. fact is he has already forgiven us once for all time. We as Christians and even people who don't believe they are Mm -hmm. forgiven. Mm -hmm. They just, they're not living in the reality of their forgiveness, but we have been forgiven and it's not because of any of our actions, not because of how bad we Mm -hmm. felt, not Mm -hmm. because of, even, even our asking for forgiveness is not the reason we're forgiven. Mm-hmm. The reason we're forgiven is because he forgave us. Yeah. Um, the, he, like he said, for, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know? They were forgiven. Even, yeah. And so, but we still at some points believe this lie mm-hmm. that the worse we feel means something to God. Mm. And it just doesn't. And so a couple months ago, I had done something stupid and a buddy of mine was on the phone with me and he was just like, Hey, Rich, uh, when are we going to stop feeling bad and just accept forgiveness? I was like, Mm. he's like, yeah, there can be like godly sorrow in the moment. And then we confess our mind is changed. We repent. Our mind is turned. Mm -hmm. Um, when are we going to, after that, like, when are we going to stop feeling bad? And I was like, we should probably uh, stop feeling bad soon. And he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't add any years to our, our life to right. just continue to feel bad. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that like in my freedom, I have to continue to learn mm-hmm. because the sorrow mm-hmm. for our sin does nothing like the gravity and weight of our sin is so huge mm-hmm. that us feeling bad for it isn't going to do any help to like bridge that like he he died okay it was right bad enough he had to die <laughs> uh does that make sense like what do you think about that Oh, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And that's where I feel the peace comes, right? So where before you're like, oh, I, you know, I, I made a mistake. And, and you do, you recognize it in the moment and, and you um, try to make it right, you apologize. But, but then knowing and accepting that you are forgiven, it, it brings that peace where you, where you, where you just bury it. You know, you, you address it and then, and then you move on. And I think we believe these lies Mm -hmm. and we don't move on Mm -hmm. because we think God is as petty as we used to be. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. like, for example, in my old life, in my old marriage, um, we wouldn't forgive each other if we didn't, we didn't feel like the other person felt bad enough. Like, I'd be mm-hmm. like, well, I still don't think you, I don't think you understand how bad you hurt me, which means if you don't feel bad, then 
you don't understand how bad you made me feel. And if you did understand how bad you made me feel, you'd be feeling a lot worse. And I would be able to tell how bad you feel. And because of that, then I would understand that you get it. And so I'm able to forgive you. We only, I only forgive mm. if, mm-hmm. if there was enough. Oh, I'm sorry, Richard, for this tragedy that I've, placed upon your life right please forgive me and then i'm sitting up on my high horse and then yes now i can grant forgiveness because you've experienced enough pain mm-hmm. and we what so is that we put that on god mm-hmm. what were you gonna say i was gonna say so now what does that look like for you now like are you because because now it's it's forgiven before anything Mm. like there's no need to ask for forgiveness like my wife and kids don't need to ask me for forgiveness so that i forgive them because Mm. i didn't ask forgiveness before god forgave me remember the verse Mm. you were just talking about he came while i was still a screw up Mm -hmm. and he forgave me and cleansed me while i was still a screw up and we're over here waiting till somebody's not a screw up so that mm. they know how bad they hurt us. Then we can get on the same page. Okay. Yes, I forgive you. But because mm-hmm. I've been loved by God, mm-hmm. I can't do that to somebody anymore. Mm. So whether or not they ask for forgiveness or the level of pain that they feel has nothing to do with me forgiving them because it has nothing to do with God forgiving me. And I'm not saying this like, oh, I'm so good now. Mm-hmm. And now I'm able to do this because, no, it's because I was a screw up and he mm-hmm. cleansed me and forgave me before I asked. And that, mm. I've been loved. Mm-hmm. And mm. so, yeah, go ahead. Well, just like, um, just the, you know, we, we throw around the world love. We love these shoes. We love ice cream. We love, you know, I don't know. We love the mailman or whatever. <laughs> and we just, we have diluted to what that word really means. Because um, the truth of the matter is, like, you were talking about in this scenario, like shame, which, which, which is really what you want, what you wanted, or what we want from others when they hurt us. We want to shame them. Oh man. In, in that moment. Um, but you know, shame truly doesn't bring about change. It's, it's, it's an outward um, reaction to something that's not occurring inwardly. It's not an intrinsic motivator, right? But love is an intrinsic motivator. And I think like once, once I, discovered that like like how much god loves me and how much god's grace abounds and his grace is new every morning you know i screwed up a minute ago um yesterday you know some days are just off days but then you you read the bible and it says his grace is new every morning you know and and that love is is the greatest motivator to not only love others more you know, but also um, love myself when I am my worst critic or 
or just, uh, you know, love changes. Love is what changes. Shame doesn't change people. Love is what changes people. It'll, it'll change people into resentment and they'll resent you. So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about shame. Go ahead. mm -hmm. What were you going to say? I'm trying to understand your statement. Love shaming somebody will turn them into resenting you. Got it. It will do the opposite of what your goal is. So Mm -hmm. what shame pretty much is, is you saying to somebody, you're still the thing you did to mess up. Mm -hmm. And so my wife's getting water in the, in the kitchen. Um, Shame is saying you're still that person. Mm-hmm. And I remember in fights with my wife, I didn't natu- I didn't actually want her to say like, I messed up. I did a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. But if my old self, and I can tell you this because this guy's dead, I, that was the tip of the iceberg. I wanted her to say, I'm a mess up and this mm. is who I am. So that in my twisted way of thinking, if she understood that about herself, Mm-hmm. Then she could work on herself and work to change herself. And this sounds, this sounds horrible. And this is the stuff that we believe that we don't say out loud. I'm saying it out mm-hmm. loud. I wanted her to admit that she was a mess up. So if you admit mm-hmm. it, then you could start to work on not being a mess up. And then my life would be better. Oh, mercy. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is lies from hell. And so that's what I wanted. And so my shaming her. Mm-hmm. was in my mind, I thought that would actually get her to work harder to mm-hmm. change so that our lives would be better. It oh never my, does. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm just saying it. That gives me sorrow to mm-hmm. think that I put somebody through that mm-hmm. and, and she would put me through that. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, you're this person. This is who you are. Mm-hmm. And so much of religion buys into that. Mm. Even after you believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. they're like, you're still this person. You have a wicked and deceitful heart amongst all who can trust you. And mm. so if you understand that, then you'll try to get on God's good side. And so it will motivate you to try. It right. will motivate you to resent God. Absolutely. It will motivate it will motivate you to jump off the hamster wheel and leave Christianity altogether. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is why shame has no part in a Christian life. Mm-hmm. You're no longer that thing. Mm-hmm. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Mm. Amen. And so, but but you just you saying that, like, how many times have I read that verse? How many times have people read that verse and they just read it, but it has no power because they don't because they don't they don't believe it. But here's why. Sorry, go ahead. I keep cutting you off. No, why? Why is it? Because their life is saying the opposite. Mm, mm -hmm. The Bible says you're a new creation, and your life Mm -hmm. is saying you're the same old dude and not only is your life saying it but your wife is saying it or your mm-hmm. husband is saying it or your boss or you, is saying it or you are saying it or, or you you're be- saying it. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so your life speaks louder 
than the word. Mm. Mm. And mm. the word, Jesus, is like, I gave you a new heart. Mm-hmm. And so people quote this Old Testament verse. Man, my favorite president at Union College, uh, Dr. Smith, he would have a sermon about how our heart is wicked and deceitful amongst all who can trust it. And I would be there like, yeah. Like this is so, like, I felt like that was gospel. Mm. And then I realized that verse was written to a, a group of people that were not in Christ. Mm. Like, the whole Bible is not written about us. There's a very mm-hmm. specific part of the Bible that is written about people who are in Christ. Right. And those are the epistles. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. yeah, so this shame thing, like we started this off by you talking about how we cannot shame anybody. And really what love is, is not keeping a record of that wrong at all. Mm. Mm. Like, and you cannot do that mm-hmm. if, you be- if you believe God is keeping your, a record of your wrongs. You can't. Mm. It's literally impossible. And so all of the people that are judgmental, mm-hmm. They don't need to be less judgmental in this way. They need to understand that the judgment, all of the authority for the judgment was given to the son. Mm -hmm. And the son says, if you believe in me and the one who sent me, Mm -hmm. you will not come into judgment because you've already passed from death to life. To life, yeah. So if people realized that their life is not being judged because there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. it would be impossible to look at others and judge them. And mm-hmm. our heart would only love them because it would say, these people don't understand what's happened. Right. They don't know their value ago. or their identity or you know, the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how were you able to unload the baggage of shame that, or, or condemnation that it felt like you were carrying over the, the years of criticism towards yourself? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I would say probably or do you need to do that right now? <laughs> you need to put some of the baggage down. Um no, I've I'm I am um I would say brokenness. I was broken. <sighs> How are you understanding that you've been healed from your brokenness? Or is that reality 
setting itself in and being established? You know, I think it's a journey. Um, but I would say that um, the passing of my mom hmm. was what broke me, my mom's um, illness. Mm-hmm. She got diagnosed with um, stage four liver cancer last March and um, passed in May of last year. So mm-hmm. less than three months we lost her. And, um, and just, you know, rethinking my life with my mom and um, our relationship, which was not perfect. It was very um, tumultuous and I was kind of a brat to my mom. Um, and then um, she probably got a lot of my wrath. Like, like you know, here is this... Um, picture of who I wanted to to look like to people, mm-hmm. but my mom got like the real me, like my my frustration, and when she wasn't um, living up to my standards, like she really got the the brunt of that. Like she's the one person that that can write a book about who I was and who what my heart really looked like, um, and. So her having her be sick and reliving all those moments of um, that I'm sh- ashamed to even to even um, think about, like talk about not sleeping mm-hmm. um, during her illness and after her passing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was like the worst six months of my life. And, but then just like processing that with Jesus and my friends and, um, I'll never forget my friend Cheryl, um, who introduced me to, um, um, the love reality tour. Mm -hmm. And she said, this is embarrassing. Don't put this on YouTube. Um, <laughs> it's not embarrassing. She, yes, but she said, you know, because um, she she knew about my relationship with my mom, and she said, Melinda, you know, just think about your mom's name was Grace, hmm. and I think she gave you a lot of grace. Like she, um, it was a gift that that was her name, hmm. and I think that you need to. Um, recognize that God is going to give you grace and that she gave you grace. So then all these things that, you know, over all the years that I've been coming to Mm -hmm. just kind of came to a head at that moment was like aha moment and just brought me peace and comfort. And, um, and yeah, I think that was kind of me being broken through her illness and her passing that kind of, got me to recognize just how much my mom loved me despite my behavior towards her mm-hmm. and my criticalness and judgment and how much um, God wants me to have that peace and that, and that grace that he gives me. So he wants me to accept it. So do you still listen to the lies that say, 
you should feel guilty? Um, no, I don't. I don't have, I have peace. I do. It's crazy. Some, somebody with the, not a parent had passed away. And when the parent had passed away, all of these thoughts of, they were not close probably the last eight years of that parent's life. And guilt was just attacking that person. And that is obviously the work of, of the enemy. Because guilt says you're not forgiven. That's pretty much it. If you feel guilty, it means you're not forgiven. And you have been forgiven once for all time for anything that you said, did. Any misbehavior you had towards your mom or anything uncaring that you, it's over. Like, back to the question, when are we going to stop feeling bad, right? It's over. You are forgiven. But yet there's no reconciliation for, for this person who I was talking to because obviously the parent has passed. And forgiveness, we don't need reconciliation and forgiveness are two separate things. And we forgive because we're forgiven. We reconcile because God has told us, you know, reconcile yourself one to another. It's an important thing, but when someone has passed, obviously you can't do it. And so the thought was just, when Jesus comes in the clouds and you, whether you're alive or you're waking up in the first, in the first resurrection and you see his face, it's going to be crazy. And then as you're caught up in the sky and you can see that person who, if they're there, <laughs> which they are going to be there if they believe that Jesus was the son of God, they're going to see you and you're going to come up to them because you've been wanting that reconciliation. And you're going to say, hey, oh, and they're just going to be like, yo, that's over. I forgave you so long ago. My father has forgiven you. I've like, we are good. Yeah. And you're going to get to experience that even though you, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah. Like this is just facts. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I am thankful that I, I, I did get that. I got that, um, that reconciliation with my mom. Praise the Lord. But, um, you know, it comes back to the belief. Yeah. You know, do I really believe that she, like, we're good, that she forgave me, you know? So that's what I was needing to work through after she passed is like, I mean, talk about heartbreak, like that kind of pain is brutal. So, so the, lie, the lie is that she doesn't believe that you guys are good? No, that I don't, I don't believe that when she said we're good, that we were good. Like, just because, um, you know, the shame of what I've done, kind of like you talked about, like when you, um, like 
not that I want to feel bad about it, but I do feel bad about it, you know? And, and it's almost like, um, if I don't still feel bad about it, then am I really sorry? If that makes any sense. Sure. And it's a lie that you're not sorry. Right. Oh, I I know. (laughs) Of course. I mean, I know, I I know that I'm sorry, but it's just like, wait, so you're saying if I stop feeling bad, then maybe I'm not sorry. No feeling bad. Right. Like that has nothing to do with it. Like having that piece of just like, Oh, well she said it. So therefore she means it versus, well, if God said that in the Bible, then he, you know, he means it. He's not just going to be saying there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus and not, and not mean that even though my behavior or in the moment or whatever doesn't coincide with, you know, the life that I've been called to live. No, absolutely. And so when that lie comes in, because the lies come in, mm-hmm. but when we know the truth, we can spot them. Grace shows us, oh, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the lie that you have to continue to feel bad until mm-hmm. you see your mom again, mm-hmm. lie. Right. Lie. Like, first right. of all, do you, here's a question. Did, did your mom love you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's no way in hell that she would want you to feel any sort of way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, again. and she oh, had for forgiven sure. you. So mm-hmm. that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And but the lie is, well, if I don't feel bad about it, then maybe I'm not forgiven, or maybe I'm not true. Like my heart isn't lie, lie, lie. Mm-hmm. All of it. That's mm-hmm. that's all a lie. And then there's this lie that the healing that needs to take place is going to take a long time Mm. because and sometimes i'll ask people when uh when's god gonna heal you Mm. and they'll say well well i don't know but the fact of the matter is you are healed by Mm -hmm. his stripes you mm-hmm. are healed. His death on the cross and his resurrection was plenty enough to heal you because now, because of that, you are crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ that lives in you. You are healed. You mm-hmm. feel healed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we don't feel healed, we don't say that we're healed. Mm-hmm. But whether you not whether or not you feel it, has nothing to do with whether you are healed. Mm-hmm. And so when we believe we're healed because it's a fact that we are, mm-hmm. then we can put down the baggage of saying, oh, I'm waiting for God to do this thing. Because so many of us are frustrated and angry with God because he said he was going to do this thing and he hasn't done it yet. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't done it yet because in our mind, we don't feel it. But that doesn't mean he hasn't done it. It just means we don't Mm -hmm. feel it. And this Mm -hmm. is the point I'm trying to make. Believe that he healed you because he has. Mm -hmm. Then the feeling comes. Mm -hmm. We're not sitting around and waiting for this thing. Because if we are, we're going to be waiting and waiting. And we're going to be 
going further and further away from our father because he didn't do what he said he was going to do. Mm-hmm. But he did do what he said he was going to do. It's mm-hmm. over. It's yeah. a victory lap. And on your victory lap, your mom passed. Mm. Didn't change that it's still a victory lap. Mm-hmm. So when you see her again, and she's on the same victory lap, because what, 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 is, what was won? Jesus mm-hmm. did it. He won. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is over. We get to run the victory lap with him. And there is some sadness on the victory lap. But sadness is here for a moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, are, so yeah. when's he going to heal you? Oh, I'm, trust me, I am healed. Let's go. <laughs> I'm healed. I, it's just that pain that I felt and the shame and the, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not there anymore. Like I, um, I choose to believe. And even when sometimes, you know, like it does come back where right, sure. right, I think of certain things, but, um, but then I am um, redirected to the truth. So, yeah, whereas the, before I just waddled, wallowed in the, the untruths and the, the feelings. And yeah, there, it doesn't say there's not going to be sadness. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is we will miss our people for a while. Yeah, for that's, sure. Sure, that's sad. It's not sad for them. You know, funerals mm-hmm. are for us, not for them. Right. Um, and so we'll miss them. Mm-hmm. But the pain of missing them will not compare to the joy of seeing them and living with them forever. Mm-hmm. And yep. so we can know that suffering and sadness is a part of the equation, but discouragement is not. Mm-hmm. There's only encouragement for those of us who are in Christ. Mm-hmm. While yeah. we suffer the same things that Christ, and it's a privilege to suffer in those same things that he did. Mm-hmm. But it's just good news. Um, I don't understand how anybody could do it without this good news. Mm. That's the truth. Yeah, that's the truth. For sure. Yeah, and there, there's a song that, um, or, and that my friend shared with me, and I don't remember the name of the song, but one of the lines says, fear may, fear may come, but fear will leave. Hmm. You know, and it's like, we are human. We're going to experience all these emotions. Sure. But, but when we experience them, we're going to recognize them. We're going to, then we're going to not, give it life. We're not going to give those emotions life because if truly, if we live life by emotions, a lot of things wouldn't get done in this world. And just like Jesus told, you know, the lame man to gather his things and get up and walk, you know, like he, he didn't, um, I'm sure at that moment he's like, how am I supposed to do that? I'm lame. But belief came before he could physically do it, you know? So I think that for me, that's kind of, I I recognize those emotions. I recognize those things, but then I'm redirected to the truth, to, to what I know to be true. Praise the Lord. Because if you did live your life based off on those emotions, then the Bible wouldn't be true. 
because perfect love casts out all fear and mm-hmm. he didn't give you a spirit of fear mm-hmm. so but this feeling of fear is here well, what mm-hmm. does that mean well he didn't give you that mm-hmm. your enemy is trying to put that in your mind mm-hmm. and what casts out all fear the perfect love that he said hey i came mm-hmm. while you were screwing up mm-hmm. i forgave you when you hadn't even asked for forgiveness mm-hmm. i gave you a new heart and now because of all of that you don't even pass into judgment mm-hmm. because yeah. you've already gone from death to life mm-hmm. and so now i live in you and he that is in you is more powerful than he that is in the world you mm-hmm. have authority to you have a th- like let's not even get into how much authority we have as being in christ Let's not mm-hmm. get into how much power we have as we're in Christ. Mm-hmm. But what we get to do is we get to tell people about it. We get mm-hmm. to tell people and our confession of his faithfulness. That's heaven's chosen agency for revealing Christ to the world. Mm-hmm. And if the gospel doesn't change you, if, 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 there, if there's no power in the gospel life lived in knowing Jesus, then, then we're not reading the, the same Bible. You know, we're not reading the, the right Bible because we have been called to, to believe, to be believers. And the Bible has a lot of um, powerful statements in there that, um, that we just we have to believe it. If we don't believe it, if what's in the Bible, then what's the point? I, I always say if the, the gospel isn't the most powerful, life-changing, transformational message that you have ever heard, mm-hmm. then don't worry. You haven't heard it yet. And mm-hmm. if it is, it's probably better than you think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. it, it never disappoints. Mm-hmm. It just gets like another piece of it gets folded back and it's always saying, this is already true for you. Mm-hmm. This is who you are. Mm. This yeah. is who you are. Because the lie, and we'll, we'll wrap it up with this, the lie that says, oh, when you tell somebody that they have potential and that they can grow and they can do it if they just work hard. The lies that that, that actually motivates people. Mm. For most people, it's just like, okay, another thing that I have to do. Right. But what actually motivates somebody is when you tell them who they are. Mm-hmm. When you're like, this is who you are. You are good. Your mm-hmm. heart is good. Mm-hmm. Your motives are good. And it's not because of you. So you don't have to be worried about if it's true or not. Mm -hmm. Like our hearts and who we are, we're awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm not bragging on Richard and Mulenga because the reason we're awesome has nothing to do with us. It's because we were created Mm -hmm. with that value Mm -hmm. and it had been lost in our lives. 
And then Jesus came back and revealed it again and said, no, this is who you are. This is your identity. Before I created the world, I had this in mind for you to be holy and blameless before me in love. I predestined Mm -hmm. you for adoption to Mm -hmm. to me through my son, according to the purpose of my will. Mm. Amen. And that just, that gets me fired up. (laughs) (laughs) It should. It's good news. It's such good news. And I think when I see, um, you know, people that believe lies, it's, it's sad. You know, I'm like, if they just knew who they really were, you know, imagine thinking, you're a pauper. You're, and then being told that you're a prince. You're a child of God. You are, you know, and it's just like, what? All this authority that I had this whole time, and I had no idea. And, and, and that's what it is. It's like when you know your identity, it's like, what? It'll change everything. Yeah, for sure. My whole life. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mulanga, for coming on the From Death to Life podcast with Richard Young. Uh, and uh, I appreciate you taking this time. Oh, thanks for having me. And please do a lot of editing. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna leave in all of the awesome stuff, and I'll just take out the bootsy stuff. How's that? I'll take out all the bootsy stuff <laughs> and the embarrassing right. stuff. There's nothing embarrassing. All right, thanks a lot. All right, thanks, Richard. Yeah, appreciate you. Set me free, son. Free, yeah. Only motivation on me now is heavenly. 
lot of people trying to drain me of this energy I talked to God, told me people's not my enemies I'm cutting ties with the spirits trying to play with me Finna go shoot Can't stop till we make it to the moon It's too late, can't stop it, it's a boom No, I cannot wait till you approve I got people with me on the other side Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride Coming out for the night, yeah, this that come alive Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive They stay alive